Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I'm Nina Turner, your host, and this is Mayor Mondale Robinson. Friday, baby, I got with me the one and only mayor, and he is a TYT, just more than contributor of Rebel HQ. I mean, he's doing the daggone thing on Rebel HQ. Mayor, how are you today? It's Friday, so I'm blessed. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. I'm good. I'm right with you. I'm feeling that blessing as well. Not a whole lot to complain about, but we're going to get right to this. Two House Dems plan a visit to DC jail housing January the 6th defendants. This field trip, if you will, is being led by the GOP. We're going to talk real deep about that. Meanwhile, experts are saying plan to test for dioxins near Ohio train derailment site is flawed. We knew that. We intimated that. We could have told you that. We certainly criticized the governor for telling folks to just go ahead and drink that water. Got to shout out Senator Ruley though. The senator of that area, the state senator, he said, oh, no, people don't drink that water. So here we go. And finally, the FTC wants to ban those tough to cancel gym and cable subscriptions. Hello, somebody. It is about time. And don't forget to subscribe. If you are already a subscriber, share the good news with your friends and your frenemies. We want everybody to know that this is one of the best hours of their day. So we are about to get in. The GOP is taking their whitewashing of January the 6th to a whole new level. Watch this. I was talking about a couple of police officers escorting people into the building. And now we have political prisoners in Washington, D.C., some who have still to this day not had a hearing. Terrible. Do something something about it. We got Marjorie. Now, maybe you heard that she said they're going to be leading a tour to the jails. I'm going to be joining her. They're holding political prisoners. That was Lauren Boebert recently speaking to constituents about visiting January 6th attackers in jail. This is part of an ongoing effort of the GOP to whitewash what happened on January 6th. Let's take it to a couple of weeks ago with this headline. Republicans open inquiry into treatment of January 6 defendants at DC jail. The investigation has been a top priority of Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia. Ms. Green wrote to the DC mayor, Mayor Bowser, demanding answers to questions, a tour of the correctional facility in southeastern Washington, and access to staff and inmates to conduct interviews by March 23rd. In her letter, Marjorie said the following, I witnessed accounts of conditions in the DC jail facilities, particularly regarding the treatment of January the 6th detainees, paint a picture of despair, hopelessness, and a severe abuse of justice. No prisoner in the United States should be treated in this fashion. Now we, the mayor and I, we're gonna hold on to that last line right there. No prisoner in the United States should be treated in that fashion. We want y'all to sear that line into your memory. Hold on to that. We're going to come right on back to that. But Marjorie, she, she is right. No prisoner should be treated in that fashion. And we'll get more. We'll get to that a little later. But leading up to the visit, Representative Kevin McCarthy was at it again. Here's the headline. Kevin McCarthy met uh, Ms. Babbitt's mom ahead of GOP visit with January 6th prisoners. McCarthy met Thursday with the mother of 
Ashio Babbitt, the January 6th rioter shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer. One month after McCarthy said he believed the officer did his job when he shot her as she jumped through a broken window while members of Congress fled. To this real nice. I want the team to put back up Marjorie Taylor Green, Representative Green's letter, that little excerpt that we got. Mayor, this is really curious to me that now all of a sudden these representatives care about the conditions of which prisoners are in when they are housed in state, local, state, or federal facilities. Uh, let's be clear, you and I both know that there's something brawling deeper than what we're hearing on the surface. This is not about the prisoners at uh, DC jails facilities. It's actually about just white people at DC jail facilities. Because we know for 30 plus years since DC uh, gave away its federal uh, jails or their jails to the federal uh, department of corrections, that there's been complaints about them being inadequate, um, inhumane and all types of nastiness that people were forced to live in. I'm talking about gross situations where they would punish people by cutting off their water so they couldn't even flush their toilets. So the whole cell block would smell like feces and urine. Um, so th these, these ideas are not new, these complaints are not unfounded. The problem with them is nobody did anything when it was the majority black DC residents standing in these jails. This is when these white people came, none DC residents, these Sixers came. Um, these in, these insurgents, these terrorists came that it became a problem. to the world, those of us that are woke, she's putting on point that the prison systems are not designed in this country to house white people because they're too inhumane for white folk. It is a, a, an extension of slavery and it's a system that's okay as long as it's black people suffering from that. And I think since if we go a step further and look into this reporting, the US Marshals who actually went and did uh, un, unsupervised or I should say supervised tours of, of DC prisons before, their, before this tour, found that where the Sixers were staying, actually they were staying, those facilities actually met the federal standards. It was where the black people in DC, DC residents were staying that was subpar. So I think what we're finding out is we knew this anyway. Prisoners have been saying this for years, 30 plus years that these, these, these situations were inhumane and also damaging to the life of the people in these, in these places. But it didn't matter when it was black bodies. It only matters when it's white folk, and in this case, insurgents. There it is. The domestic terrorists are getting visits from members of Congress to look at the living conditions they are in while they are housed in jail. And again, I want to draw your attention to the portion of Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's letter that said, "No." the United States should be treated in this fashion. We're gonna hold on to this because maybe, just maybe some good can come out of this. Since they wanna jump into this water is mighty fine. Let them come on and jump in. We're gonna hold on to no prisoner in the United States, Mayor. No prisoner, they said, should be treated like this. We're gonna hold on to that for them. Yeah, we're not gonna let this go. And so why are they whitewashing January the 6th? This is why they are. We wanna go down memory lane with you. Like we said at the top, this is the whitewashing, not just of that day, but the entire mega movement itself. It's an extreme right wing movement and they are not afraid to use violence if and when necessary. They showed that very clearly as they tried to take over the United States Capitol on January 6th. Make no mistake about it, they are domestic terrorists. 
Tara Settenmeyer of the Lincoln Project said this. What the hell is Kevin McCarthy doing meeting with Ashley Babbitt's mother? These people are treacherous people. They tried to engage in an insurrection to overturn our government, a free and fair election. They are not patriots, they are criminals. They are treasonous, they are despicable. And Kevin McCarthy, once again, has demonstrated that this blood oath that he has taken with this with these MAGAs is more important than upholding our constitution and any semblance of respect that he has for the oath of office that he's taken. Now I have no love whatsoever for the Lincoln Project, none at all, none at all, cuz they fakers too. But I gotta say that that Sotomayor was dead spot on in her commentary here. But I just gotta make sure y'all know Lincoln Project is a no for me. But sometimes a broke clock can be right. And in that case, what Sotomayor had to say about these January 6th people is absolutely right. These prisoners are being coddled by deranged GOP. And it just shows how far the members of Congress are willing to go to hold on to power. And look no further than Rep. Andrew Clyde, another Republican from Georgia who had the gall to utter this. There was no insurrection and to call it an insurrection in my opinion is a bold faced lie. Watching the TV footage of those who entered the Capitol and walked through Statuary Hall showed people in an orderly fashion staying between the stanchions and ropes taking videos and pictures. You know, if you didn't know the TV footage was a video from January the 6th, you would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. Did y'all see that footage? I don't know what footage he was watching. That don't look like a, a, a regular tourist. Looks like folks have went stark raving mad trying to break into the Capitol so that they can wreck some stuff. That's what it looks like to me. I don't know what this representative was seeing. Don't believe your lying eyes, America. But that that's it. That this is the overreaching mentality of the mega GOP crowd. Mayor, they denying the real that happened on January the 6th. And you want to talk about a big cover-up. That's exactly what some of these representatives are doing. Well, I mean, if we're being honest, you know, they're just being white, right? This is this is this is how whiteness shows up in the world. I'm not talking about all white people. I'm talking about the belief in whiteness, a steadfast belief in whiteness requires you to say that this is not insurgency. These are people who are being patriotic. They did the same thing with the Confederates. And I'm and I'm thinking since we're talking about the prison system, we should talk about the 13th Amendment and how it's been held it up or credited as ending slavery. But people forget there's a but in there. When there's a but in law, it provides an exclusion. The exclusion for slavery. Slavery was the prison system. So it was set up so black people could go from less than human slaves to less than human criminals, right? So they made, they, these are exceptions where you could treat black people just like slaves again. And the 13th Amendment wrote that. So it's a bad, right? Black people and the prison system is showing that out. And DC prison system is one of those, and all the horrors that black people have been suffering in it. And now white people are being experiencing it. And we see other white folk. With a serious disdain for this treatment of their fellow whites. And I think this is disgusting. And it makes black people that have suffered under this, this, this DC jail system for so long feel less than human. And it's and it's working. This is not a mistake of our system. This is a this is an additive. This is how it's supposed to work. And I think meeting with 
Uh, Ashley Babbitt's mother is a, is a spit in the face of all of the dead brothers and sisters who yes. died at the hands of agency, uh, police agencies across this country. Because none of them have met with Kevin McCarthy, the third in role for the uh, presidency if something was to happen to the vice president and president. So it's absolutely disgusting that we see that black tolerance or the tolerance of black pain is still so high in every level of American government. Yeah, it is, and it's irrefutable that that remains the truth in this country. And unless we do something that is in reconciliation and in a total reimagining and execution of what should be a normal in the 21st century, we're gonna continue to have stories like this over and over and over again. And I don't know, maybe, man, maybe some real prison reform, jail reform can come from this craziness. I mean, that is my hope as I sift through and continue to hold on to what Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said about no prisoner should have to face these types of conditions in America. All right, chick, make it so that none, because man, you're laying it out, it was all always okay when it's black and brown people. It's always okay when it's poor people. It is not okay for them now and now they're seeing it. So we'll see, just maybe Congress will do something about this. We shall see. Representative Jasmine Crockett of Texas will be accompanying the GOP members as they visit the January 6th inmates. And she hopes this visit will spark more concrete discussion on prison conditions. Watch this. I also want to make it clear that while they're talking about these conditions, the January Sixers at least arrived at the jail. In this country, if we want to have a real conversation, let's have a robust conversation. Let's talk about George Floyd. Let's talk about Sandra Bland, who was taken into custody in the state of Texas for a traffic violation and somehow ended up dead. We can have a real conversation. But before I start to say what is or isn't going on in this jail, I've got to see it myself. So I'm not here to validate that there's anything problematic because I can guarantee right. you that at a very minimum, they have air conditioning. Yep, there it is. At a bare minimum, they have air conditioning. We know that there are some facilities in this country where that is not the case. Rackers Island is one horrible but good example of this kind of mistreatment on purpose. Because Mary, your point is, is well taken. None of this stuff is by accident. It is absolutely by design in the United States of America that we got the type of legal system that we have, that we have the type of prison system that we have, not by accident at all. Yeah, and I mean, we think about when, when the system, when you hear this as a talking, this representative talking, we're absolutely reminded that Angola is larger than Manhattan. Angola prison in, New, in Louisiana is larger than Manhattan, and it used to be a slave plantation, and people are forced to work field and pick cotton, mostly black bodies. And when they refuse to or don't pick enough cotton, they're put in a cell in isolation. Some of Gas. This is happening in 2023 in America. So I'm telling people like this is we have to re really check where we stand on human rights. And if it's a real thing, let's see prison reform to eliminate these type of tactics where people are forced to pick cottons on old plantations where people on horses with shotguns are acting as overseers. Yeah, and if they go and visit, I mean, your point, just let's talk about the whole system itself. While you're at it, don't halfway do it. Let's do it all the way. Let's take a look at this. Today, nearly 2 million people are incarcerated warehoused in cramped spaces that lack fresh air, healthy food, natural light, proper health care, and connection to loved ones. Prisons run with little to no public oversight 
absolutely leading to abuse. This right here, top 10 countries with the most people in prison. And you guessed it, the good old United States of America, as much as we rail against many of these other countries that's on this list, many of these other countries, we talk about like a dog. But look at us, we at the top of this. We at the bottom of providing healthcare and, and, and prescription drugs and all of that stuff that increases one's uh, a material life that enhances their material conditions. But when it comes to incarceration, baby, the good old United States of America, over 2 million people, China 1.6, Brazil 811,000, et cetera, et cetera. We even outdoing Iran, we number one, we the top dog in incarcerating people. And who is disproportionately impacted by this? The mayor's already started laying that down. It is black people, right? Black people and then brown people. And then absolutely the system was designed to work for rich people because they the one to design the system, hello? Let's take a look at some statistics because I, I do want you to believe your eyes here. Incarceration stats, percent of black Americans in the general US population, and that's men and women over a little over 13%. Percent of people in prison or jail who are black, 30, over 38%. Incarceration rate for blacks versus white Americans. Over 2,000 versus 450 per 100,000. Arrest rate for blacks versus white Americans. Over 6,000 versus over 2,000 per 100,000. These stats are coming from the Prison Policy Initiative. So, Mayor, here are the stats right here. Yeah, and I mean, just like I said, the slave, slavery was replaced by criminal justice, and these stats show you how they keep it in place, right? They over sentence us, they over police us. But those stats aren't saying is we also get longer sentences than white people, right? It's also going back to that first graphic that you put up. It's absolutely disgusting, and people shouldn't think that we are close to China in incarceration. The fact that we have over two million people and China has less than two million people, when we only have three hundred plus million people in our population, and China has a billion plus people, almost two billion people, and India has more than a billion people as well, and they're number four on the list. It absolutely shows you that America is a policing state that is built. To profit off of people being in prisons. This is why we're suffering in this manner. Yeah, that they never want to, I mean, talk about slavery by any other name. I mean, that's why the Black Codes, Jim Crow, the peonage system, the peonage debt system, all of that stuff was designed because this after the reconstruction, it's important that the people who are joining us today understand that after reconstruction, when the federal troops pulled out, it was business as usual in the South again. The same slave holding class were given. They, they got their power back and they just they just comported themselves as if nothing had ever happened. And so life really did not change for the black community. And we see all the carryovers happening right here in the 21st century. And, and none of this that we're talking about even factors in wrongful convictions because those happen all the time. This headline, wrongful convictions disproportionately affect Americans, a report says. This is coming from NPR. There's no surprises here. All of y'all, most of us can deduce this. If you are a rational thinking, fair minded person, you already know that this system was purposely designed to continue to suffocate the life out of black folks. I don't know, man. I don't know if you think any good can come from this. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I think I think what happens is we're gonna see some performative stuff where they're gonna get some votes and rile up their base. We saw a protest outside of the DC jail a few weeks back. Um, but it's not, nothing about prison reform will happen because as you say, the, the donor class controls our political class. And when they when that's the case, we know we don't have public prisons and jails in the, for the most part in this country. It's ran by private business. They're traded on the stock market. Some of our favorite people like Michael Jordan are investing in these systems and making a ton of money off black people being enslaved by a different name. Um, I don't I don't really see any change coming. Our prison system isn't broken, it's working as uh, as is designed, the problem is we need to rethink what it means to have a, a a carceral system, especially one that values money and profit over people's lives. Yeah, and you can't change the system if that is the number one objective, because profit trumps everything. It is the it is the goal above every other thing, and it doesn't matter how people are treated. It's just like it's warehousing. That's really all this this is, it's just straight up warehousing. And you know, domestic terrorism is something that we need to get into while we're on January the 6th. It is an area where this country has failed. I mean, absolutely failed. We always trouncing around the world talking about other people's terrorists and can't even deal with the domestic terrorism that we have right here. So more importantly, what January 6th has really highlighted is that domestic terrorism is alive and well, unfortunately. This headline right here, Peter's investigative report shows DHS and FBI are not adequately addressing domestic terrorism threats, not at all, far from it. This one, white supremacists and militias have infiltrated police across US, a report shows. A former FBI agent has documented links between serving officers and racist militant activities in more than a dozen states. So this is not new though, domestic terrorism is a on our country in the 21st century, this shouldn't be the case. We know it was the case in the 20th century, in the 19th century, in the 18th century. We talk about the 21st century. And if we don't nip it in the bud here, it will be the reality in the 22nd century and the 23rd century and so on and so on. For if there will be other folks dealing with this foolishness right now. And we have the right to expect real progress in the United States of America. It is unfathomable that we are still having this particular conversation with so many folks who have come into the black community in particular and asked for our votes and talked about how they're gonna do better, how they're gonna change systems and policies. And when they get in these offices, they forget everything they said they ever were going to do. And I'm not talking about uplifting individual black folks and giving individual black folks fancy titles and high places and they in high spaces and nothing is changing systemically for black people. All of that is good. Symbols do matter, substance matters more. But how do we get systemic change in the United States of America? That is what we want to know. And I think Minister Malcolm X said it best. That, uh, that we're making progress in, in this country no, and worldwide? No, no, no. Uh, I will never say that progress is being made. If you stick a knife in my back nine inches and pull it out six inches, there's no progress. Mm -hmm. You pull it all the way out, that's not progress. The progress is healing the wound that the blow that the blow made, and they haven't even begun to pull a knife out, much less try and pull, uh, heal the wound. You have, have you have? They won't even admit the knife is there. Mayor, my mind.
I, I just had to say mm, to my soul because thinking about when Malcolm X said this a few months later, he, he gave this speech about the ballot or the bullet. And yeah. I think he was talking about how and where black people were. And like you said, if we don't address this problem, this this 500, almost 500 year old problem where white supremacy is systematically in, ingrained in America, we're gonna be dealing with this for, for our, our foreseeable future. And I think what people should not pretend is like he said, that we are having progress because some people are being uplifted because we had a black president. If black people, if black communities aren't made whole, then there's no progress at all. And we're just dancing around the fact. There's always been a few black folk that could say, that could be held up as, see, this is America, not the majority. But if we're talking about science, as we should be, those black people would be outliers. And what can be repeated and what we can know is repeated in this country is, this country fails black people over and over. That is the science. That is the theory that's being proved. America does not satisfy her contract with black America. Not at all, not at all. Well, Minister Malcolm X, he did that and it's so true just as and when he said those words. But we will keep pushing, you know we will. Let's come on to Ohio now. We're taking it back to East Palestine because those folks are still suffering. The latest from chemical pollution researchers. It ain't what the governor has been out here saying and people going into there immediately after trying to convince them that everything was all right when everything is not all right. And guess what America, they do it to the, to the citizens in East Palestine. They come into a neighborhood near you to neglect people in this way, knowing that we need air. We need clean air, clean water, clean food. Everybody needs that no matter how you identify the ecosystem needs that. You know, we got life, wildlife depending on human beings to do the right thing. And we monk it up almost every single time. So here's the latest from the chemical pollution researchers. A plan to test for toxic dioxins near the site of a February train wreck in East Palestine, Ohio is flawed and unlikely to find the dangerous substance. We knew that. Remember initial soil testing already revealed dioxin levels hundreds of times above the acceptable threshold. Remember that? Now remember the same testing. This headline right here, the company testing air in East Palestine homes was hired by the devil themselves. No Fork Sutherland, experts say the testing isn't enough. It's like asking the wolf or the fox to watch the hen house. <laughs> That's what's happening in this case, Mayor, no doubt about it. Your thoughts? Listen, I was literally sitting here thinking they got they got foxes at the hen house, um, and that's not and we we say that um, and we're not laughing about this issue because we know no, how important no. it is. What we should also talk about is the fact that this 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 disregard for people and human life over profit is absolutely disgusting, and the fact that the EPA had to be forced to even do these tests. For dioxins, now they're allowing Norfolk Southern to test it themselves or hire a contract that is testing it. And they're doing these shortcomings is absolutely disgusting because we know so much more is required. And testing by testing by where you see ash is absolutely disgusting. It's, and it's also not adequate. There's been rain, there's been snow, all of that washes away ash. We need to do real testing on this before people start dying from all types of cancers and East Palestine become a cancer cluster that we can't control and bring back people's lives. So it's absolutely disgusting when we see this, especially when we know you should be testing food, which is the main source of passing this stuff on. We absolutely know you need to go beyond the limits that they've set two miles away from where the train accident happened. We know it lives in the atmosphere and it can travel up to 20 miles. This is disgusting and also a blatant disregard for human life over corporate profit.
Yeah, it is, and they keep proving it time and time again. And while mainstream media, they've moved on. We here on Unbossed and the TYT Network, we're gonna keep talking about this. Fish have died, wildlife is dying, and that is one of the strongest signs that we can have that something needs to change. Residents are reporting rashes and burns and all kinds of things happening to them on a regular basis and still crying out for some help and they are not getting it. Now the agency's response to the crash has drawn intense criticism as well as should. Let me remind you all that I had a chance to go down to East Palestine and talk to some of the folks there. The struggle, the anger and the fear is real and it is justified. Residents say the town has failed to protect that they're not being protected by levels of government that should be protecting them, particularly the state and federal level of government. After resisting calls for weeks to test for dioxins, finally the EPA on March the 3rd ordered Sutherland to do so. Now dioxins are highly persistent and can accumulate and stay for years in the environment and in the human body. Dioxins are linked to some of the, the issues that the mayor just laid out. We got cancer, diabetes, heart disease, nervous system disorders, other serious health problems. And for, for a long time, for years to come, they may not be able to put a real finger on the impact that this has had, this is having on those folks. And that's why it's important to have a short term goal to give them relief and a long term goal to give them relief. And long term may be 100 years from now, but that's long term. The plan also limits testing the two miles around the site. That's not enough. But ash has been reported as far as 20 miles away, a point that the mayor was making. And dioxins are known to move long distances through the atmosphere, duh. The controlled burn occurred about six weeks ago and experts say most of its ash will have been blown away or washed away by precipitation, by water, by rain, by snow. Geniuses, do you understand that? None of this makes any sense whatsoever. The plan also limits testing to the soil because food is the main limit the testing in that way if you truly wanted to get to the truth, but you truly don't want to get to the truth. You're being exposed. Humans are exposed via contaminated meat and eggs and milk and farm products. A toxicologist with the Center for Health and Environmental Justice stated the following, I'm very leery because if testing is done by a visual inspection, then they probably will not find anything and will have no reason to do more testing. I'm not saying Norfolk Sutherland's consultants are going to purposefully do a poor job, but if this data is going to be trusted by the community, then the EPA needs to take over and do the work. In other words, the EPA needs to do its damn job and protect the citizens of East Palestine, because if they're not protected, then the residents of Flint, Michigan are not protected. If they're not protected, the residents of Jackson, Mississippi are not protected. If they're not protected, then the residents of Cleveland, Ohio are not protected, etc., etc., etc. I'm gonna tell you something, America, we should not let this go. It's a failure of epic proportions by the state and the federal government. You keep on, we're gonna keep on watching this. But what is happening to those poor and working class, poor working class, middle class people too. They got all classes up in there in East Palestine. It ain't right at all. And speaking of cancer, here we go. 
Earlier this week, we talked about the Biden administration missing the mark on helping reduce the cost of cancer treatment drugs, Xtandi. Well, now activists and cancer patients are taking to the streets to demand action. Cancer patients challenge Biden's administration's refusal to lower price of life-saving drugs. So glad that they are making this sacrifice. Two days after President Joe Biden's administration, not the Trump administration, hello. Two days after President Joe Biden's administration rejected a petition asking federal regulators to use their authority to lower the astronomical price of a life-saving prostate cancer drug developed entirely with public funds, petitioners on Thursday filed an administrative appeal. And as you might recall, X-Tandy costs up to $190,000. And even with insurance, co-pays for X-Tandy are sky high. Medical. Medicare receipts, for example, are expected to pay roughly $10,000 per year for the medicine, especially for the millions of uninsured and underinsured people in the US. Xtandi means it remains completely, not just a little bit, completely out of reach. And when it comes to prostate cancer specifically, which Xtandi has been used for to, to combat that disease, this will be incredibly costly if the government does not act and I mean act right now. Prostate cancer estimates in 2023, about 288,000 new cases of prostate cancer and about 34,000 deaths from prostate cancer coming from the American Cancer Society. This as President Biden promised, you guys, this is yet another promise. He promised to cure cancer even as far back as his VP days. President Biden has been pledging to cure cancer for the past six years, beginning with his moonshot effort as vice president. He re-upped that pledge on the campaign trail to vowing again, if I'm elected, we are going to cure cancer. Now Biden could make a difference. The president could make a difference by taking action and demanding that the health and human services play a pivotal role, do their job in ensuring that this company does not get a chance to gouge people who need this life saving drug. And especially because taxpayers pay for it, but also shame on Big Pharma too, for exploiting people in this manner. Mayor, this is beyond shameful. You know, I got a sin in the shame list going and this is definitely on the list. Listen, this is American government letting people die when we don't have to. Especially when Americans, you see these Republicans railing against, railing against, Welfare, but what is what is this if it's not welfare when we know this was entirely funded by public dollars? That means people pay for this and now they're being charged a hundred thousand dollars. So we're paid, we're paying to make these companies super rich. Companies, pharmaceuticals are getting pharmaceutical companies are getting super rich off the off of government funding, and I think this is absolutely disgusting. This is a wonderful idea where where we we a wonderful chance for us to say. If, if, if Republicans and corporate Democrats like Joe Biden are so against welfare for poor people, then why are we forced to make billionaire trillionaire companies more and more money? I think this is absolutely ridiculous. NIH is failing us, HHS is failing us on this. And, this, and, and, and unless we are being honest about both of these institutions and also this administration's failure to people who are dying from prostate and don't have to, then we really, we really can't say that we are on behalf of people's lives. And you know, Mayor, this is easy. This one right here is easy to do because they have the authority to do so. They made the rules 
And yes, people are dying every single day because they don't have access to the pharmaceuticals that could save their life. And I think it's noble. Look, the president, hey, you said you wanted to cure cancer. That is a great goal. Do it. You talk about a legacy. You know, to be the president that puts all goes all in and trying to cure cancer. It's a beautiful thing. Do it. I double dog dare you to do it. You know how you say, I double dare you to do it. Please do it. Be that one, Mr. President. But for the love of God, do not allow these pharmaceutical companies to gouge the hell out of people in this country unto death. Cause that's really what's happening here. Ooh, I'm shaking my head, y'all. Y'all, you almost got me wanting to, to uh, get my fire extinguisher out, but I'm just not gonna do it today. I'm gonna save it for another time. All right, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the show. Now we have an explainer video for you. Take a peek. Credit scores are a scam to keep rich people rich and poor people poor. Federal Reserve regulations say you cannot be discriminated against because of age. But it's still a rich people's club and your membership is based on one number alone the all-powerful FICO credit score. Now that was a tease, that's all that was. But for our latest, if you wanna see the full video, I need you to go and look at the clip. Sashi's gonna post that clip for you and you will be able to see it. He's dropping the link in the chat right now. You do not wanna miss that baby. We're gonna be doing a lot more explainer videos on various topics and I'm very proud of the team and what we're doing. Now on to my absolute of the show, some comments from our viewers. We're gonna start with our TYT members. I am Sock. January 6th is a tourist visit like Russia is vacationing in Ukraine. <laughs> you got that right, I am Sock. Mountain Dragon, the mayor and the senator laying down the truth and the real law in the best hour of the day. Turner time, great to see you both and keep up the good and peaceful fight. Thank you for that Mountain Dragon, we appreciate you and on Twitch, Dengar Dragon, Black Pearl Dragon, and Mayor Mondale. Thank you for that, DD. That's what I'm gonna call you. And Bama, it you took the fire extinguisher out every time a Democrat lied just to get elected, you would never put it away. You got that right, fam. You are so right about that. And on YouTube, Super Chat Rose, Nina and Mondale Fridays. You know this is gonna be good, thank you. Larry Love Jr., hey Larry Love, let's get it boss, I'm pumped up. Thank you for that and thanks to each and every one of you for watching our show, for your support. We could not do what we do without you. Now we have a tremendous interview for you today. I want to bring on none other than Dr. And Dr. Zogby is the president of the Arab American Institute. Dr. Z, it is so good to have you on this show. If I read your entire bio, we would take all week. I would start today and not finish until next Friday. But you are indeed the co-founder of the Arab American Institute, a DC, a Washington DC based organization, which serves as a political and policy re research arm of the American community. You have been on many presidential assignments. You were on assignment by President Obama in 2013, 
and you were you and I were together for Senator Bernard Sanders both in 2016 and in 2020. We did some work for him on the DNC trying to get that thing straightened out. And you were with the one and only Reverend Jesse Jackson at a time that it was historic for an Arab American to have that kind of presence on a presidential campaign. And I want all the viewers to know that I continue to learn from you every single day. I revel in the stories that you have to tell about your journey thus far. So it is an honor to have you on Unbossed. Thank you, Nina. And it's been a, just a delight in my life to get to know you and work with you. Yeah, back at you. I appreciate that. So, Doc, we've been looking at some of the recent events here. You've participated, as I said, in various elections. Um, you know, running a, a, a firm with your brother that takes surveys all over the world. So you've been. It's not just here in the United States of America. You've been all over the world. But just focusing in on our nation right now, for all that you have seen and what we are seeing happening in this country right now. What do you think the state of our republic is in 2023? I think it's in jeopardy. Um, and I, I fear that I see no way out. I think that uh, we're in a uh, situation that's spinning out of control and will continue to be out of control. I feel like it's a doomsday scenario. I hate to, to be you know, the, the guy that says it's bad and getting worse, but that's it. I mean, I think that what Donald Trump did was unearth grievances that were there were real, but he fueled them and fed them with fear and anger yeah. and polarized the situation that was already getting worse. It was already getting bad. I mean, it started with Newt Gingrich, I dare say, uh, Pat Buchanan, Newt Gingrich and them. But Trump crystallized it around a movement uh, that had been forming, but gave it uh, an anger that it hadn't seen before. And, um, and actually, I'm right in an article right now, it's going to headline Donald Trump hates America um, because there isn't a single institution from the courts to law enforcement to media to Congress, etc., that he has not expressed contempt for and mobilized the anger of his constituency. Uh, I mean, when, when there was a pending indictment and he told them take to the streets, um, unprecedented one, but two, dangerous. Uh, the jurors, I'm understanding people, potential jurors, don't want to be known that they'll be jurors. The judge doesn't want to be seen or known. Uh, there's a threat and a danger to people. And I think that whether he wins or loses in 2024, whether he wins or loses the primary, a lot of people are going to go down as a result of that. He, um, uh, whatever Republic, if a Republican wins and beats him, uh, They'll come out wounded as can possibly be, um, and I, I think you know, like I said, I don't think that there's a, uh, a an upside to it. Let me just add one caveat: I don't think this had to happen. Number one, not because of the Republican Party, but on the Democratic Party. I hate to put the fault on my party, but we let an entire constituency go. We ignored white working class voters in midwestern, mid Atlantic states, etc. We turned our back on them and told them they didn't matter. And when Hillary said deplorables, whatever, we didn't pay attention. And um, and Donald Trump comes along and says, I'll pay attention to you. I care about you. I'm the only one who'll fix it, who'll listen to you. Um, and uh, he didn't mean it. <laughs> you know, He was preying off of their fears and anger uh, in order to 
catapult him into power. And uh, but we didn't pay attention, and we're still not paying attention. No, not at all, Doc. I mean, I told well, you. Yeah, that was the thing, Bernie. Bernie said, "I understand you're earning less now than you did before. I understand that you're feeling the government's not paying attention to you. I'm going to pay attention to you." And he had a class orientation that spoke to black voters, white voters, brown voters, yellow. Everybody was included. Democrats should do that and learn a lesson. Absolutely, Doctor Zogby, I do agree. Obviously, you know, with your analysis of what was going on in 2016, and that had been bubbling for a while. You know, those kinds of explosions that we see reveal themselves, if you will, during a presidential election is not something that just happened overnight, two days ago, three days ago. That had been simmering for a long time. These rotten trade deals, people's quality of life going down, people having to work two and three jobs instead of having one full-time job and maybe another job on the side for truly extra money. Now this is really about survival. And yes, the Democratic Party, our party ignored those aches and those pains. And along comes a Trump and with full populism, he is able to to pull those people to his side. And my state is one of those states, my state voted for first Senator Obama, but then President Obama, they voted for Obama twice. Trump won the state of Ohio twice. We are a pure example. My doctoral work was in religion, and I did my dissertation on religion under stress, culture and society under stress. And in the context of that, what usually occurs are movements, we call them revitalization movements. They are usually movements that look backward. Obama was the first time I saw people actually believe in hope and move forward. But then Republicans were able to turn that around after the victory into a moving backward campaign. Of there was a backlash. Yeah. yeah, and it worked. It worked, the Tea Party, the birther movement, and Donald Trump is the recipient, the beneficiary of that, of that, of that movement. Yeah, and, um, and you're right, we just didn't get it. I, I, I had a meeting with Clinton in the residence uh, with a small group, uh, 95 I think it was, and uh, he said, tell me about your, your neighborhood where you grew up. And I told him, I said, it was an all, all factory town. Everybody worked at the mills two, three blocks away. Middle class, three family, three generations living in the same house. The mills closed. And when the mills closed, Utica went from 100,000 people to 58,000 people. It wasn't just the city fell apart, but families fell apart. And I said, you now have problems we never had in that community before. And he said, we're never getting those jobs back again. What we have to do is retrain them in high tech and blah, blah, blah. And I said, my God, he didn't know the people live across the street from me. I mean, they're like in their 50s and 60s. They're not going back to school to get retrained. We had to have understanding of, of these people who in their 60s were losing their jobs and had nowhere to go. Didn't get it. Never I mean, Is there any way in your mind to turn any of this around? I mean, when you talk about forgotten communities, Certainly, I'm I'm thinking about East Palestine, for example. You know, yeah. they are that that white working class that feels so left behind by the Democratic Party. Donald J. Trump won that community overwhelmingly. It was over seventy percent. He won that community. They're another example of how the class issue is a vital issue and you cannot, you absolutely cannot leave any group of people behind. And if working class people got together, poor and working class people got together, no matter the other identities, if we just identify based on class, that is more than half the battle right there. 
Bernie 2024, that's a good start. But I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I think that the, the idea is, is that that message has to resonate. It has to be embraced by other Democrats. There has to be an alternative vision to the neoliberalism that is so dominant in the party today that still identifies being fiscally conservative as being a way to attract voters. That's nonsense. You have to be fiscally progressive to win these voters back. That's right. You have to have an agenda that speaks to their needs and speaks with anger. You have to tell them, I'm as upset as you are. And if they don't do that, I mean, when 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 somebody like Lindsey Graham comes along and says Democrats are the party of the elites and we're the party of the working class, people should have in the Democratic Party should have said, wait a minute, how'd this happen? But it, it has happened. It has happened and we have to turn that around, but we won't turn it around unless we get upset, angry and let people know we're gonna fight for them, but we don't do it. No, we do not and righteous indignation goes a very long way because people wanna feel it. You know, people, it's your heart that is touched even before it gets to your head. It's do people, do these people that have the power really, really care? Well, Doc, our time. 20 years after the Iraq war, no accountability, nobody paying any price for what they did. And and the Democratic Party that endorsed that war has nothing new to offer. And we've got to fight to change the Democratic Party. And I'm going to have you back on. That certainly is on my list, the Middle East. But we are out of time right now. So I want to have you back on just to talk about the Middle East. You all, this is Dr. Jim Zogby. Dr. Zogby, he's the president of the Arab American Institute. Doc, you got a couple of books out there, team. Let's put up those books really, really quickly. Please read Dr. Zogby's book. You can go on the website, the Arab American Institute to get more information. Dr. Zogby, it was such a pleasure to have you with me. And we're definitely going to have you back. politics. All right, team, that's it for the week. Now, you know what I want you to do. I want you to keep the faith always, 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 and more importantly, keep the fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.